This week on episode 509 of Priority One, Kate Mulgrew reveals how the Janeway hologram is introduced in Star Trek Prodigy. Rod Roddenberry begins celebrating his father's centennial with a new social media campaign, and Star Trek Online introduces tech from the 32nd century in the latest lockbox. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 509 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, May 18th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 21st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Alex. And I'm Roscoe. And that's right, Captains. That is not Kat's voice, nor is it Kat's name. <laughs> Filling in this week for Kat as she moves from one side of Vulcan to the other is Alex, a.k.a. Ruin from Twitter, a Star Trek Online community celebrity and co-host on Brandon's Ship Talking Pod. Alex, thank you so very much for joining us these next two episodes while Kat is away. And we're so excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. All right, wonderful. Well, let's jump right in, shall we? Let's do. And we want to welcome new listeners to the show as well. And we hope you'll stay in touch because you see this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents because, like you, they are passionate about what Star Trek is all about. So, Captains, we ask you to get involved and be a part of our little podcast community. Follow us on social media so that you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines and quite possibly have them read aloud on our show or consider joining the team and lending your time and talents to producing this podcast or if you find value in the show consider supporting us financially by joining our patreon family no matter what our corner of this community is always eager to include more members and share in the passion that we all have for star trek so visit us at priority one podcast.com and learn about all the ways you can help shape our little corner of the Star Trek multiverse, whether by joining our team, becoming a patron, or being a part of the conversation by joining our communities, like the ones we have on social media or for games via the Priority One Armada. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Jump places. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. With Star Trek Prodigy set to debut sometime this year on Paramount Plus and later on Nickelodeon, Kate Mulgrew continues to sing praises of its development, the story it hopes to tell children, and the overall mythos that is the Star Trek franchise. During a recent episode of Dennis Miller Plus One to spotlight her latest project on the streaming service Peacock, Mr. Mercedes, Mulgrew not only spoke about the impact Star Trek has on the popular culture, but she also shared some information about how Janeway's hologram will appear in the new series. Here's how she describes Janeway's introduction in the new series. Five kids are incarcerated on an obscure planet in an uncharted part of the galaxy. And they escape from their imprisonment and race across the planet to find a defunct starship buried in the sand of the planet's surface. And they go in and of course the prison guards are coming after them and they can't get it up and the shields won't run and the thing won't do. And suddenly somebody hits a button and blue, blue, blue. Hello, kids. I see you're a little bit stuck here. Can I help you out? And it's Captain Janeway uh, in a holographic form. So, yeah, holographic form. So it's really, really, I think, going to capture the imagination of little kids. And if they can sit with their mothers who watched me in live action and their fathers who loved arguably the other guys, then we've got a uh, family affair and that, that will bring it full circle. Be terrific. 
so the podcast isn't long. It's about, you know, it's about 30 minutes. And uh, Dennis Miller goes through a conversation, of course, talking about Mr. Mercedes. But there's there's a lot of good nuggets of information about Kate Mulgrew, her career, her involvement in Star Trek, obviously her role in, in Mr. Mercedes, her role on Orange is the New Black. And I, I swear, anytime I listen to Kate Mulgrew speak, I can feel my brain working harder and getting smarter. <laughs> and look, if you're an aspiring actor, you might find it fascinating to learn that she was in Stella Adler's last masterclass, mm. which is huge, 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 huge. It's just always fun. It's always fun and exciting to hear her speak about this. So what do you guys think? For someone who's not an aspiring actor like myself, <laughs> what does that mean? Same here. <laughs> so Stella Adler is a teacher of acting, right? There okay. are several different techniques to acting. You have things like the Meisner technique, Stanislavski, Stella Adler, to name, you know, just a few. Stella Adler had died. You know, Kate Mulgrew was part of her last masterclass before Stella Adler died. And it's, if I'm not mistaken, Stella Adler also taught Marlon Brando. So he comes from that same school. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. And, and Ali has been reading Kate Mulgrew's autobiography and she just keeps singing praises about, you know, that, that autobiography. It's just, it's just phenomenal to hear Kate Mulgrew talk about her life. So yeah, so there's that. Uh, but back to Star Trek. So we learn that these kids escape incarceration, find this derelict ship, and bloop, Janeway hologram. What do you guys think? Are you excited for the show? I'm excited. I, I never really thought myself to be a fan of kids' shows, so I might not end up liking it. I might love it. I just am keeping an open mind for it. I'm definitely there for Janeway, though. <laughs> right. And that blob alien. I wanna. I wanna give it a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Roscoe, how about you? Are you excited for Prodigy? Yeah, I think I am. I Going off what you were saying before about hearing Kate Mulgrew speak, I don't feel like my brain is working harder, but I just, I relax. Yeah. And I settle in and I become a calmer version of myself where I just sit back and enjoy and, and will listen to anything that she's saying. It's <laughs> wonderful to hear her speak and to hear her speak so passionately about this project. She kind of, I get the feeling, described the entirety of the first yeah. episode <laughs> because I feel like that's the perfect point when someone accidentally hits a console, presses the button and the Janeway hologram appears. I would cut there. That's your first episode. Done. Edit. Okay. On to the next. Wow. I get the feeling she may have given away quite a bit, so spoilers? Mm. Spoiler alert? Quite possibly. Quite possibly some spoilers. Definitely. Mm. But you know what's interesting? The the big takeaway was how excited she is about reaching this newer audience, right? We haven't right. had Star Trek aimed at children since the animated series, and arguably even that really wasn't geared for kids, right? It was a very, <laughs> you know, high intellectual involved plot for the for the season and a half that it was on so it might have just gone over some kids heads i mean you know i remember talking about this with uh robert hurt who if i'm not mistaken watched it live while we were going through it with after hours he did but it was you know it's 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 not your average saturday morning cartoon right there are no scooby snacks on right. star trek the animated series <laughs> so this could very well be a way for people with children who grew up on Trek and fell in love with it to be able to now share that with their kids in a more accessible way for children. That leads us to our community question this week. Got kids? Will you be watching Star Trek Prodigy with them? What do you hope will be their biggest takeaway from the new series? It's official. The I's have been dotted, the T's have been crossed, and the nacelles have been detached. The script for season four of Star Trek Discovery is complete. The signing off was confirmed this week by showrunner Michelle Paradise on social media, posting, quote, a long journey to type these words, but here they are, end quote. Paradise attached a picture of the final words of the season four final script, quote, end of season four, end quote. It's not as catchy as let's fly, but uh, I'm willing to see how it plays. In other production news, Star Trek Picard is filming in the Santa Clarita area this week. 
SCVnews.com reported that the city's film office has nine productions filming in the Santa Clarita Valley beginning the week of Monday, May 17th, 2021, including Star Trek Picard. So filming of Picard is happening right now as we speak. It's continuing, which is very nice to hear. No COVID bumps at this stage. Everyone is nice and safe. This is how we like it. For sure. Absolutely. I um I wonder if any listeners live in the Santa Clarita Valley. And if so, please take pictures and send them our way. Incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or tag us at PriorityOnePod. <laughs> I was reading that Santa Clarita describes itself probably as Hollywood North because there's so much filming that happens and there's commercials being filmed. There's music videos being filmed right now that's some of the nine other projects that are happening apart from star trek picard so everyone's heading to the valley and filming some stuff what hits shelves on may 18th and packs more star trek easter eggs and beckett mariner's crate of contraband the answer of course is star trek lower decks season one dvd and blu-ray set Bonus features include a trailer for Mariner's Crisis Point, the Rise of Vindicta movie, USS Cerritos crew profiles, and a catalogue of the show's many, many Easter eggs. The show's creator and executive producer, Mike McMahon, sat down for some promotion interviews, and he had some very interesting thoughts to share. Speaking to ScreenRant.com about his goals for Season 2, McMahon said, quote, We have a lot of bills to pay. We've got Rutherford's memory issues, We've got Mariner and her mom working together. We've got the pack lens being a real threat out in the world. We've got Tendi worried about her friends not remembering her from the first season. And what does that mean for their friendship? And, spoiler alert, we've got Boimler on the Titan. End quote. They also asked McMahon about Mariner's backstory. And he answered, quote, I mean, I know everything about Mariner. But there's a backstory to Mariner that we don't want to mine so quickly and just have everybody know, end quote. He also suggested that attentive viewers are probably already piecing together the show's hints about Mariner's past. The website cinemablend.com asked about a Lower Decks live-action Boimler crossover to Star Trek Picard. McMahon offered, quote, You know, I can't imagine why not. I mean, he's a capable ensign as we've seen. He has that promotion to the Titan. You see Riker and Troy and Picard. You'd have to imagine if he doesn't run into too many crystalline entities that Boimler would still be bouncing around the quadrant, end quote. But he doesn't see much likelihood of Picard crossing over the other way, telling Screen Rant, quote, Look, would I love to work with Sir Patrick? Obviously. But is there any reason he would ever meet our lower deckers aboard the Cerritos? Not really, end quote. Mike McMahon shared some great thoughts, and we have links to three of his interview stories in the show notes. Check them out for all the details. I got the Lower Deck Season 1 Blu-ray, and I think that this weekend, I, I probably won't watch the episodes, but I think I'm going to try to watch the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Some behind-the-scenes special features are better than others, and I'm curious how involved the ones for the first season of Lower Decks is going to be. I like the idea of finally having a Easter egg list to go through and check off because then I can (laughs) confirm what I think I saw. I'm fairly certain, (laughs) but also delve into the many, many, many Easter eggs that I'm sure I missed. Were you a fan of Lower Decks, Alex? Were you a big fan? Oh, I love Lower Decks. Uh, For a while, um, before, right at the beginning of grad school, before I knew what I was getting into uh, commitment-wise, I was drawing uh, commissions. I I think I drew one for you, Ali. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, I was drawing uh, Dexonas. That's right, that's right. (laughs) I'd I'd like to get back into drawing them, maybe this summer break. I don't know. Yeah, no, (laughs) you know, it's... That's awesome because number one, you're already a talented artist as it is, and so to be able to, you know, share that with the community in one way, shape, or form is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, keep your make sure you're following uh, Alex on social media because then maybe uh, <laughs> you can hire her for a commission. We'll see. Got our fingers crossed that I can draw. <laughs> what was your favorite episode that uh, or scene from Lower Decks? Like, what's mm. one that you can think back on that you kind of. Enjoy. Honestly, I know this is kind of cliche, but the one that always stands out to me is the sarcastic Vulcan salute. Uh, 
because <laughs> I feel that in my bones. <laughs> I loved that so much. There was a lot more that I really enjoyed, but um, I it's been a while since I've watched it. <laughs> you have to understand, I just came out of finals week. <laughs> congrats, congrats. What is my memory? I don't know. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> but I definitely think I'm overdue to rewatch uh, Lower Decks. Absolutely. I, I would like to get the Blu-ray DVD set, but um, I would have to get a Blu-ray DVD player. Mm. Maybe a good investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, if I'm feeling just a little bit down, a little bit blue, and just need a general lift, I load up on YouTube the clip from the season finale where the Cerritos is clamped by the packleds. Things are going badly. Abandoned ship. And then another ship comes in, and it's the Titan. And there yes. is something. There is there is a noise in there. There is like a power up noise that makes the tra- helps make the transition between the score that we're already hearing to hearing the ship come in and transition to the TNG music. Yes. And it is gives me tingles every time and puts a big smile on my face. That's so a that's, really. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> have a listen next time. If you have a moment to go and watch it, there's this little power-up noise. Uh-huh. And it, then they start firing phases and torpedoes, and it just makes me happy. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot in that show that that deserves a rewatch for the nuance. That's for sure. Captains, last week we discussed an interview with Rod Roddenberry on The Credits, where he spoke about the impact his father had on popular culture and the vision of the future that was shared with us. Now, as the weeks move on, Roddenberry.com has launched a social media campaign celebrating Gene Roddenberry's centennial. Using hashtag ThinkTrek and hashtag TalkTrek, Rod Roddenberry hopes to spotlight some of the philosophy that his father tried to share with us, a future that gives us a, quote, chance for us all to be better, to act kinder, to be more inclusive, and to basically think Trek, end quote. Taking part in the celebration, Filmmakers, actors, notable fans, and more will be recording readings of some of Gene's most inspirational quotes. 100 quotes, 100 days. All coming to a close on Gene's birthday, August 19th, 2021. Already, we've seen readings from folks like Bill Nye, Kevin Smith, Scott Bakula, and more. So be sure to follow Roddenberry on all their social media channels to get your daily dose of Roddenberry wisdom. But you can also take part in the celebration by sharing images, photos, videos, whatever you might spot in your daily lives that remind you of Star Trek. Just be sure to use hashtag ThinkTrek and tag Roddenberry when you post on whatever social media platform you decide. I definitely had thoughts about this when they were, I think they were announcing the the conception of this a few months ago and I it resonated with me for someone who got into Star Trek for partly for the philosophy I was raised around the philosophy and I remember even making memes on Tumblr back in my Tumblr days that's not very Star Trek of you <laughs> and I think people still use them which shocks me like whoa I feel like this is a much more positive outlook on that rather than being like that's not Star Trek yeah. <laughs> it's more like hey let's focus on what Star Trek is rather than what it isn't. So I I think that's, if anything, it's some needed positivity right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know what? You bring up a really good point because, you know, as as the new incarnations of Trek are released, there can be a lot of back and forth in the community about, you know, this isn't Star Trek. This is Star Trek. You you don't know what Star Trek is. You're not a gatekeeper. Stop gatekeeping and all that jazz. But the truth is, there is, in fact a baseline for Star Trek, right? All you have to do is read an interview with Gene. You know, heck, even listen Mm -hmm. to actors talk about the franchise. That interview with Kate Mulgrew and um, Dennis Miller, for instance, she talks about Gene's vision and the purpose that Star Trek had. Now, sure, Gene made some compromises with some episodes that are quite silly, and those are likely to appease suits and to reach wider audiences, but... There was one thing that Star Trek was always supposed to endeavor to be, and that was an exploration of the human condition wrapped in a hard candy sci-fi shell. So I think it's safe for people to say, and 
look at new incarnations of Trek and be able to identify, does this, does this elevate a conversation? Does this help us take a step back and reflect on broader themes and broader ideals? And I think if it does, then it's Trek and good science fiction. And if it doesn't, then it might be worth kind of revisiting who's in charge of Star Trek. I think it's always important that we hope that it is good science fiction because that, at its heart, is what it is. What we've seen over the last, oh, I don't know, 55 years or so is some good, great, outstanding and amazing science fiction episodes that have helped create an entire genre. Uh, We're seeing brand new episodes. We're seeing brand new series. We're in a a world right now that we've never been in. We have something like four or five Star Trek TV series currently being filmed, produced, animated, scripted, script signed off on at the moment. That's never happened before in the entire history of Star Trek. It is absolutely amazing. We are spoiled for choice. So... We're living in a world where Star Trek fans not only are spoiled for choice, but they can have... There's room for preferences. You can like one series a little bit more than others. You can prefer one storyline to another. And it's all Star Trek because it all comes back to the core because it all started from Gene Roddenberry. I don't think it matters which series it is. The intent and the core of each series always comes back to it started with Gene. Right. And it's all started from there. And you will argue about this, I'm sure, Elio. I, For my money, I think that is where we're at right now. All of it started there and it, it has all come from there and the further out we get, the broader the spectrum becomes and the more inclusive it becomes as well. And I think that's that's a really lovely thing. What do you guys think? I, I definitely agree. And I, I've i always kind of thought as we've been entering like this second Trek Golden Age, I'm not sure, Renaissance, what do we call it? I, I feel like even if you don't like one series, you're bound to like something. And even if you don't like the new series, you still have the old shows to watch. It's, that's not a bad thing. I can't think of anything better. <laughs> and so... I I feel like it's a great opportunity to bring more people into Trek. The new shows kind of widen the doors a little bit to a broader audience to appeal to different people with different tastes. And I think that that in itself is reflective of the philosophy. So I think it's great. (laughs) Well, that leads us to our next community question this week. As we reflect on Gene Roddenberry's legacy over the next hundred days, tell us. What does Star Trek mean to you? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of centenaries, he was compatriots with Charlie Chaplin and Orson Welles. He continued acting until he was 101 and he will forever hold a special place in Star Trek lore. Actor Norman Lloyd has died at the age of 106. His credits range from the earliest known US TV drama, 1939's On the Streets of New York. He played Dr. Daniel Auschlander on TV's Saint Elsewhere, and then went on to 21st century projects including Modern Family and The Practice. Star Trek fans will remember him as Professor Galen from The Next Generation Season 6 episode The Chase where he presented his protege, Mr. Picard, <coughs> excuse me, Captain Picard, with a Curlin Neskos. It was confirmed by his son Michael to the Associated Press that Norman died peacefully at his home in Los Angeles. I do love the fact that Norman played tennis into his 90s. He was fit, he was active, he was sharp as attack, and acted until he was 101. Absolutely that amazing. Incredible. What a career. What a career. The Curlin Neskos appeared in the most recent teaser for Star Trek Picard Season 2. That was just one of the objects in the background. I think it was on the desk, on the writing desk in Picard's study. So one episode and an amazing episode as well. The chase for me is just really a wonderful, wonderful example of a next generation 
episode, it's still there, it's still a part of it and continues to be. It's it's recognisable from just that one little interaction. I'm trying to remember what the Kurlaneskos is. I, I probably am seeing it in my mind and I'm not remembering. Yeah, it's a, it's a little figurine. Looks like a weird compressed duck that could also be... It's like, a, imagine they, they took a, a duck and combined it with a babushka doll. So you open it up and, oh, there's more inside. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. All good things must come to an end. And if you're a Klingon, war tops your good things list. Unless it's a civil war between Ja'ula and Jimpak's partisans for the future of the Empire. Maybe it's less good then, but it cannot last forever. It never could, when politics and honor demand your enemy's complete destruction. And as birds of prey come home to raise, as shattered Praxis looks down on a world on fire, this phrase, this edict will be on every warrior's breath and heart. Remain Klingon! On May 14th, Cryptic declared Stowe's next TFO, Remain Klingon, to be the Klingon Civil War's final battle. Captains will lead the fight over Kronos in this space-based task force operation mission as the first city roils with disruptor fire. Cryptic also notes that captains should play the mission a day long remembered before queuing for this new task force operation mission, Remain Klingon. But wait, what mission are we talking about? A day long remembered? Sure sounds like a mission title, but I guess you'll have to wait and find out. Until then, be ready, be fearless, and as always, Klingon, Machtash! So what do you think? Are you looking forward to this uh, TFO act? Oh, yeah. I, I was really excited when I read the, the blog. I was excited to see Trevana and Belair come back. I know that they were a point of contention back in the day when they were first introduced. But in terms of the TFO itself, I am very excited. I'm kind of curious what, what kind of task force operation it's going to be like. Is it going to be the kind where I can just like park and throw gravity wells at things? Or am I going to have to be like speedy and pew pewy? I, I don't know. Guess we'll find out. Alex, can you remind us about Travana and Belair? Why were they so controversial? <laughs> so they were introduced with House Peg, uh, the mission in the Iconian arc. They are Klingon lesbian ladies, and a lot of people got angry about that. Because how dare gasp not lesbians in our Star Trek game. I have opinions on that. I don't know if that's welcome here. It is absolutely welcome here. Please, by okay. all means. I, I just, I, I get very perturbed knowing that there are homophobes playing this game. It's like, why? <laughs> why ah, I see here? you've been in the local chat lately. Oh, I, I, I remember, I think it was right after the Iconian arc uh, came about. I saw the light in turning off zone chat permanently. <laughs> and I've been very happy ever since then. <laughs> But uh, this was, I remember that was, the anger over Trevana and Belair happened over Reddit and forums, and I I wasn't really on either of them at the time, not that I can remember, but from what I hear, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think it's a systemic issue with, with just Star Trek in general in the fandom, right, is that there there seems to be a group that kind of misses the point, we were just talking about this, right, the point of Star yeah. Trek and, and the goal of Star Trek. <laughs> And there seems to be a group that misses the point. Hopefully it doesn't get too much in the way of, of your gameplay. And as we mentioned, just turn off zone chat and avoid Reddit like you would somebody who's not been vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much. And, and yeah, enjoy the game for, for what it, you know, it, it does for you. That's, that's been my MO for seven years now. It was just my seventh anniversary playing Star Trek Online on the Wow, 12th. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Nice, nice. Well, we'll get to some more questions to get to know you a little better uh, once we wrap up with uh, some of the headlines here. Cool. Announced today and launching soon, 
trademark. The Discovery Far From Home Lockbox hits high notes from Disco's third season. Headlining the potential prizes is the Crossfield Science Spearhead Refit Tier 6, better known as the USS Discovery A. Players who don't get one can just chill out with the parasitic ice containment vessel Universal Console. Yes, it's a vessel, but it's a console. Just work with us here. Other drops include the Beastmaster, uh, sorry, Bond with Animals Ground Trait, Personal Transporter Kit Module, and a randomly transporting Saurian. There's a lot of fascinating new items in the box. Check out our show notes for the full list. So there's quite a bit to unpack. This this lockbox is huge with a lot of items that really are introducing 32nd century Trek to our universe in Star Trek Online. So, uh, Alex, you've been jumping up in your seat as we were talking about this in the summary here. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what uh, has you most excited coming out of this lockbox? That's a hard question because I feel like I'm excited by the whole lockbox. (laughs) I've been excited for the Discovery refit ever since we saw it in Discovery. And so... You know, I think Al Rivera had mentioned before on Twitter or someplace, if it's on screen, it'll be in stow eventually. And that here it is. And so I, I've really been looking forward to it. I'm not sure how much I can reveal about NDAs that I'm under with um, chip talking. Sorry, totally forgot the name of my own podcast for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same NDA as you guys are probably under, but I remember being able to know that it was coming out and I was like being under an NDA is awful because you can't tell anybody about it you're so excited (laughs) so I was able to make a screenshot for it I'm really I'm really digging it I don't know if I'll actually get it in game or not but it's pretty now this ship could because it's in a lockbox you can ultimately sell it on the exchange right so you can purchase it straight out with energy credits if you have the uh, the bank for it. Now, as we mentioned, this crossfield, this version of the crossfield is the one that we, like we said, has the detached nacelles from season three of Discovery. After they get thrown into the thirty second century and they get the the ship upgrade, which breaks continuity with the short track Calypso. But we digress. We talked about that in after hours. So, captains, if you're a Patreon supporter, you can watch that episode and our review of Calypso. Uh, by being a patron. Uh, shameless plug there. <laughs> Roscoe, how about you? Are there any items from this lockbox that you are looking forward to? I do like the idea of a Saurian randomly transporting in. That could be fun. And I hope that when he turns up, very much like Linus in Season 3, he turns up, apologizes, helps you out, and then disappears. That would be great. The three career-specific dot... 23 modules that's nice the specialization that each of them has uh, to build on your own character That's I like the idea of that and maybe it's just me being slightly cynical I feel like this that would beef out the contents of the lockbox a little bit where normally we would see one thing now we see have the option for three things so maybe this this lockbox is a touch larger by appearance only. But I think there's some good things in here. So this bond with life Beastmaster uh, thing, my understanding is that when you activate it, you get your choice of animal that you want to be able to fight alongside you and control. I believe uh, Ambassador Kell tweeted a picture of the actual trait specs uh, of what you can see. Now, I don't see a massive T-Rex. So I... I claim false advertising because the blog has yes. a big ass t-rex next to a character <laughs> and it looks like he's controlling the t-rex but i don't see a t-rex on this list and i want me to beast master a t-rex yeah it says it unfortunately in the post boss animals are immune ah that is boo. so rude sad face rude indeed rude indeed. i still might seriously consider get that getting that trait i don't care if it's meta or not i'm beyond the point of caring about meta i just want my own pet dinosaur thank you very much that attacks people i know we already have one of those but 
two is better. So I can see a lot of people getting this trait and then basically traipsing around the galaxy because you have to tame the animal first to add it to your menagerie, your stable of pets. So there's going to be a lot of just working your way around the galaxy, getting all the pets and making sure you have all of the choices to deploy. Deploy T-Rex! Oh, no, wait, that's not one of them. Darn it! Now, going back to talking about the new Crossfield refit, Thomas Maroney, uh, lead ship UI artist over at uh, Cryptic Studios, tweeted an answer to questions that he was getting quite frequently now, which was about being able to swap parts between the various Crossfield variants, uh, specifically the 23rd century discovery with this new 32nd. It doesn't look like you're going to be able to do much swapping because of the way the ship is designed to have its nacelles detach. So you may not be able to, you know, throw on a 23rd century hull, yeah, onto this one. Or I think my understanding is that you can, but your Glen will have floating nacelles. Oh, <laughs> Which, okay. Is that a bad thing? No, I don't no. think so. <laughs> because Alex, you love the crossfield. I love the crossfield. My my child. I'm. I you probably can't tell my camera's a potato, but I'm wearing crossfield earrings. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Respect. That's great. I have too much free time. <laughs> well, while Zeph is in the chat, we do need to give a shout out to uh, Alan over at Zeph Films, who just released a fresh out of space stock video of this new crossfield. So we'll have links to that video in the show notes. As always, Zeph knows how to capture the ship in its most beautiful angles and, and movements. So be sure to check that out. He's got some really awesome uh, camera transitions in this video. I, I don't know why that's something that I focus on, but it is. I'm always sending him messages. This is a great transition, man. <laughs> it's no weapon or spec point, but the badge box may be first contact day's best reward. The 21 insignia of playable Federation species are more than simply Space Barbie trinkets. They represent the special delight in differences in ideals and life forms that Star Trek's championed for over 50 years. So we're thrilled to see prop replica cosplay maker Saxon Props build a beautifully crafted, real-life, liberated Borg insignia. It even has a magnetic backing for easy wear that won't poke holes in an Odyssey or Sierra One jacket. Trek out the link in our show notes. It's a small token of the better future we should all be working towards. And now moving on to other gaming news. September 1987. The Star Trek multiverse returns to TV anew when the Enterprise-D has its encounter at Farpoint. May 2021. Fleet Command returns to the Prime Timeline as the Enterprise-D plows into some random Kelvin Timeline planet surface. It's a rough introduction this time. No better for the lack of crew, only the amnesiac android Data is on board. Why is the Federation flagship of 2364 tilling soil more than a hundred years before it was built? Where did its 1,011 other crew members go? And can you put it together, ship, crew, and sinister plot behind it all, before those responsible come to finish the job? Welcome to Star Trek Fleet Command Patch 30. Scopely resumes its continuing mission, bringing Prime Timeline content to its Kelvin-only game with TNG storylines, battle passes, and collectibles. Familiar faces from the series are now potential crew picks, particularly a rare-tier Beverly Crusher and epic-tier Data and Geordi. But the most significant addition is the new Away Team's game mode. Unlocking your station's shuttle bay building opens up lists of short-term assignments to complete for resource rewards. Players with Star Trek Online or Timelines experience will recognize a way to put idle crew members to work based on relative strengths. Of course, if you get Q as a crew member, you can just clear all the tasks off at once. Or your entire roster will turn to salamanders. Who knows? That leads us to our next community question this week. Are you looking forward to Fleet Command's new next-gen era content? Does the Away Team's minigame make you want to spend more time in-game? 
Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Alex, do you play much of uh, any Star Trek mobile game? You know, I, I played Timelines for a while, but I had an old phone at the time and I thought, oh, I'll get it on my new phone and I have said that continually and now my phone is old again. So <laughs> it's... Uh, and I've definitely wanted to play timelines, but I don't know much about uh, Fleet Command. So maybe I'll look into it. I need yeah, a new quite, phone. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big game. It's a big game, and uh, you know, it's it it can be a bit overwhelming. I know for me, it's a bit overwhelming uh, because there's there's a lot to do. You can go in a lot of different directions, and a lot of it is kind of like click and wait, click and wait. You know, tap tap tap. But it's an immense game. It's pretty. It's pretty huge. I still want to play this new one, Legacy, and I can't because I don't have an Android device. So I only have an Android device, so I can't play it. That's right. That's the other one. I do have an iPhone, but do I want to play for pay for Apple Arcade? That is the question. I do not. Me neither. <laughs> so before we wrap up Star Trek gaming news, uh, Alex, you are a huge, huge part of the Star Trek online community. Uh, you've been active for quite a while. You've been sharing some amazing art throughout the years. Talk to us a little bit about how you got into Star Trek Online. What kind of attracted you to the game? Are you playing any other games or is Star Trek Online kind of your, your go-to? I was never really a big game player. I, I hesitate to use the word gamer. <laughs> it had such an awful connotation to me. I, I was just about to graduate high school. It was like the week between the end of classes and right before commencement, and I had no idea what to do with myself. I'm one of those people who, when they get really um, invested in a fictional universe, they want to make their own fan characters, and I totally did that with Star Trek. And I don't remember where I heard of Star Trek Online. It was probably an ad on a wiki or something, but I just thought, well, I have all this time to myself. Um, I'll try Star Trek Online and see where that goes. Because I did play games, but it was like Pokemon. <laughs> I never really played computer games before this. It took forever to install. I had this really old, like, crappy computer. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to make my, my OCs in this game. It's going to be so cool. And I was thrilled to do it. And um, <laughs> one of my earliest memories in Star Trek Online is actually standing in Admiral Quinn's office and thinking, why is this other Starfleet officer standing on the Fleet Admiral's desk? What is going on here? And then, you know, I, I just thought it was something going weird with the game and that's when I realized I was playing with other people. Oh. I, I remember, I, I like I think I knew it was an MMO, but I I wasn't really to re I wasn't ready to accept that <laughs> like consciously. And so I remember playing with the HUD settings and saying other player names, and I clicked it and I saw all the other names pop up in ESD, and I was like, oh, those are other people in my game. <laughs> so I. I almost stopped playing because I, I, you wouldn't know it now, but I'm pretty shy. <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm not a gamer. I'm not one of these people. I'm going to get bullied out in this game. And I, you know, I've had experiences that were probably, you know, less than good. But, and I, I, I very nearly stopped playing in the middle of Delta Rising because I, I started in 2014, right in May, right before Delta Rising. And, it felt very punishing to me as a not good player. <laughs> and oh, I'm glad that, that I stuck the, with it. The Delta Rising experience. Like, I, yes. For a second there, I thought you were saying that the community almost drove you away. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I learned to deal with don't post on the forums because people are mean there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And so I, I kind of found my lane. I stuck with Tumblr. That's where I did, like, my off... Not in Star Trek Online, Star Trek Online talking. And, yeah, um, playing Delta Rising, the Vaudoir kicked my butt. I remember dying, like, 30 times in one mission, and I was like, why am I still playing this? But I'm glad I toughed it out, because I'm still here. When I tweeted the other day, I think it was actually last night, I don't remember, <laughs> um, that it was my seventh anniversary playing, I... 
I said I was uh, two computers, two and a half college degrees, and one Delta Rising later. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Oh, that's so, awesome. So that was a very long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. So when you're playing Star Trek Online, well, first of all, uh, do you have a lot of characters? Or you, do you have, like, many alts? I, I remember starting out with one. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stick with one. And then I finished her, and I was like, I'm going to make a Romulan. And she ended up being my main for a really long time, and uh, I'm... 23 or 24 I don't remember How's the exact that? number but I you know you have a lot when you've lost track <laughs> right 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 so after seven years of playing Star Trek online what keeps you coming back to the game definitely the friends that I've made in the community um, joining Trek Twitter Star Trek online Twitter has definitely kept me in you know I, I feel like I have kind of a sense of belonging because outside of uh, Twitter, I, I don't really interact with other players very much. I, I have some friends in game, but they're friends in game through Twitter. And if we're going to play together, we organize through Twitter. <laughs> and so that has definitely kept me playing. Um, new content, always. I, I live for the new missions. Um, I used to not live for the task force operations. It took me well over a year to feel comfortable running task force, op task force operations. <laughs> and now I run them all the time. Yeah, new content. Uh, I love the ships. I was never really a ship person, and now I'm on Ship Talking Pod, which is all about starships, which is kind of a shock. I definitely had some imposter syndrome going on for a while. <laughs> So uh, I think those are the big things that, that do it for me. And uh, are you part of an armada? Are you currently in an armada? Um, it's uh, different characters are in different fleets and different armadas. Um, I think there's a few a few of my like high tier characters, like their builds I'm comfortable with. Um, they're in a small fleet that my... Uh, I think it's Zeph, actually. He has a really small fleet that is maybe making progress that's a good question whether but it's making big heart, progress or not big heart but yeah <laughs> um in terms of actually being active in any armadas not really i know there's priority one though so that's right you can always join priority one armada um mm -hmm. you know yeah it's just it's interesting because so like a, for, like i've been playing for for a while um, mm -hmm. Long enough where I have where I struggle to find reason to get back in the game, especially in between missions. Right. I think I've been following on Twitter for quite some time now. And I think what you do to help elevate the community is that you also share your art. Right. Yeah. That you're very artistic. <laughs> right. You're very you have a you. keen eye and, and, and um, a wonderful technique to help bring to life, not just the game, but, you know, even your own renditions of your characters and whatnot. So your involvement isn't just about logging into the game and, and you know joining a TFO you really create a community around yourself almost right you know what what's that kind of been like for you seeing you know that the, the growth of followers and you know people uh, admiring your work and, and whatnot um it's honestly a shock um, you know every other social media platform I've been on including tumblr I, I I still have my old Star Trek Online blog, I just don't have the mental bandwidth to be running it right now, but every past account, I've never really passed two or three hundred followers, and I was okay with that. I've I've never been a number chaser. I don't... I feel like often it lends to ingenuine interaction, and I'm not for that. I like, you know, interacting like I'm a human being, and people that I'm talking to are human beings, or at least Romulans, or something like that. <laughs> So uh, it's it's a shock to me. I, I went up 400 followers uh, in the last eight months, I think. And it's just, in a way, it's really cool. But at the same time, it's kind of disturbing and terrifying. <laughs> like, I, I just passed over a thousand. And, you know, thinking that there's a thousand people or maybe like 900 people on some inactive accounts and bots <laughs> um, follow me for my content. It's it's baffling. I And sometimes I'm really scared by it. Um, I can't really get used to it. Maybe I will. Uh, we'll see. It's, it, I don't want to say that it stopped me from posting things, but it has definitely given me pause sometimes. I'm happy to be sharing my art. I've never really done my art for anyone else. It's always been me. I've always taken screenshots of what I want to see. And so 
the fact that other people like that and they see, you know, either relevance or uh, inspiration from that, it's I, I'm proud of that. <laughs> and I'm glad to be offering that to people. But I can't remember where I was going with this. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm having ADHD brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you been to any conventions? Have you been able to kind of gather with fellow Trekkies in a... Well, I've been to one convention, <laughs> um, and it was here. Um, I'm not in a big convention area. Conventions don't come to New Mexico. They just don't. They go to Denver and Houston and Phoenix, so they completely bypass my state. <laughs> and so I made very serious plans to go to SDLV 2020, and we all know how that worked Oof. out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was this close to buying my ticket, um even after the pandemic had started, I was like, well, maybe this will blow over after a few months and it'll be fine in August. Ha 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 ha. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I, um, I'm not sure if I'm still going to go to the creation uh, convention either next year or whenever it's safe. Um, hopefully next year, fingers crossed, knock on wood. But I think I'd rather go to one in Chicago, Mission, yeah, Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, that'll Definitely, be... Uh, really cool yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be huge um i know that uh yeah this the stlv still on for this year yeah. um but i don't think i'm ready i don't think i'm ready to go back quite yet uh but yeah. for sure st uh mission chicago that'll be that'll be exciting so now tell us how you got involved with uh ship talking with brandon well um it's actually kind of a funny story um i was uh i think back in <laughs> My sense of time is totally messed up, too, because of the pandemic, so it could have been last year. Um, I did um, an interview on 10 Forward Weekly with Kale. Um, I think it was in December or something. The chat probably knows better than I do. <laughs> um, I did an interview. Um, I edited a screenshot live, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Brandon actually watched, and he... Uh, sent me a DM on Twitter a few months later and he said uh, you know I was really impressed by the way that you handled yourself on uh, this interview and I think he he picked up on the fact that I have done some production stuff in the past I I did TV production in high school nice okay, <laughs> really cool. really strong credential there awesome. but um, you know I have I do have a little bit of a background and so I think he picked up on that and he was looking for a co-host on his uh, pod. Um, he had Robbie, but Robbie's super busy. And so he's not always available to be a co-host. And so he offered the position to me and I was like, sure, I, I don't see how you think I'm a big ship person. And then I remember I take pictures of starships. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like I said earlier, there was definitely some imposter syndrome going on, but I've kind of come out of that, and I've started to own the, the ship thing. <laughs> I mean, starship earrings. That's right. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. You know you're in deep. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, congratulations. How can people follow you? How can people get uh, Ship Talking Pod? Um, where can people kind of look at your art? Where do you display it other than Twitter? My Twitter handle is Rurinfane, which is R-U-R-I-N-N-N-N-F-A-N-E. I think my Instagram handle is the same. I don't really use Instagram. In terms of art and screenshots, I have two different DeviantArt accounts. For illustrations, it's Rurinfane. But for screenshots, it's S-T-O hyphen Rune If you want to listen, we're on shiptalkingpod.com. You can find the links and everything that you need on that site. Yeah, we'll definitely have links in our show notes for those. Uh, so be <laughs> sure to follow Alex and all her amazing, talented work, and uh, both as an artist and an illustrator and as a host, co-host on uh, Ship Talking Pod. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Star Trek Online just announced a brand new lockbox full of Discovery Season 3 goodies. We asked you to share your thoughts on the Discovery Far From Home lockbox. From Facebook, longtime friend of the show, Ray Borg writes... I want them badly. Shut up and take my money. 
From Twitter, Captain BG2301 says, I really like the ship and the uniforms are cool. The doff that randomly transports around is hilarious. Only downside is that it's in a lockbox, which makes it hard for most people who aren't incredibly lucky to get. The mechanics of that uh, transporter effect remind me of what Hyperjump used to be like in the Matrix Online. Drink. <laughs> Drink! Where it was like you you it was you went to Hyperjump and then you had a reticle and you can select where you wanted to land in the Hyperjump. And so now this that's what this reminds me of. Interesting. From Twitter, GorgonOpsSSF agrees, saying, Bond with life is freaking amazing. Number one, animal friends. Number two, Pokemon catching, battling. Well, that wraps up episode 509 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community questions this week. As we reflect on Gene Roddenberry's legacy over the next hundred days, tell us, what does Star Trek mean to you? And with respect to Star Trek Prodigy, got kids? Will you be watching it with them? And what do you hope will be their biggest takeaway from the new show? And over on Star Trek Gaming News, we asked, are you looking forward to Fleet Command's new next-gen content on mobile? Does the Away Team's minigame make you want to spend more time in-game? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. On our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, and Kat, plus the rest of Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all STO players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, Captains, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. To join our Patreon family and check out all the perks we have to offer, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favourite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. First, a very special thanks to our guest host this week, Alex, a.k.a. Rin on Twitter. Thank you so very much. You were fantastic. We can't wait to have you on next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Lennon, and Alex. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. Stand by as I pull up those documents because I don't remember what they were. Hold, please. Uh, so <laughs> please hold. <laughs> Sunday nights, the Armada broadcasts Saturday, live. Saturday. Oh, Saturday? No, we're changing the oh. schedule. It's Sunday now. Saturday. Oh, shoot. Is it really? No, hold on. <laughs> no. Seriously? Is it Sunday now or is it Saturday? <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Stowe Celebrity comes on and says it's Sunday. God damn it, it's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> You're switching to Sunday now. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> this is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.